This morning's scripture is Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Let us pray. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Alleluia. Amen. Several years ago, the college roommate of a friend of mine died. The death came fairly quickly after her initial cancer diagnosis, and after a few days I called my friend to check in and see how she was doing. After that initial sharing of feelings that, how are you? Well, I'm kind of numb and it hurts to breathe and all of that, you know, the pretty common feelings of shock and grief that we experience in moments like that. There was silence on the phone for a moment. And then out of the blue, my friend said, I feel crazy because I walked down the street and people are normal. And I know they don't know what happened, but I want to scream that my friend is dead. I want them to know the world just ended. I imagine a lot of us know that feeling of watching the world go on as normal. I remember times when I have felt that way, when people I had loved have died, and my world has shattered, and no one around me, as I walk down the street, seemed to notice, or to know, or to be aware. It's not an uncommon phase of grief. I believe it's classified under anger in the five stages. But this isn't just something that happens as we are grieving. That sense of dislocation from the world can hit at any time that everything around us changes. Any time that our lives get upended, whether it's in joy or in sorrow. Any time that we have to find our way into a new and uncharted world. I suspect that the two Marys knew something of that crazy feeling. I suspect that they had lived that Sabbath day between the crucifixion and the resurrection, that day of Passover feast, aware that they were surrounded by houses full of people who were having a totally normal holiday. Those people might have borne witness to the crucifixion, but crucifixion wasn't all that uncommon in the Roman world, and most of those people's lives had not been shattered by it. They did not feel entirely heartbroken by the death of a beloved friend and teacher. 
as both of our Marys did. And I wonder if part of the reason that the disciples remained in their upper room, in addition to the fear of being arrested themselves, wasn't the additional pain of watching the world move on from the moment that still held them tight in its grief. I wonder if that isn't part of the reason those two Marys left before the sun was up, to be able to walk through empty streets, to have some peace from the dissonance between their heartbreak and the world's normal. Because those women went up to the tomb knowing perfectly well how to anoint a body, it wouldn't have been the first time for either of them, and they were both, as people of their time were, well acquainted with grief. And they probably knew equally well the crazy feeling of watching everyone else go about their daily lives. The women went up to the tomb certain that the crazy feeling would dissipate and that life would get back to normal. It always had before. But the truth of the resurrection is that nothing will ever be the same again. And what we have known as normal, it just isn't an option any longer. This Easter feels very different than any that we have known in our lifetimes. This Easter is mediated through a screen, or a phone line, or a podcast. There's no church full of flowers. There's no special music. There's no gatherings of friends or family for worship and then a meal afterwards. This Easter feels like it doesn't quite shake off the shadows of Lent, like we can't quite get past Good Friday because we are still living in the shadow of death. We are still in a place of grieving, and nothing feels normal this year. Unlike the two Marys, we don't have that awful feeling of being alone in our sorrow, and the rest of the world is shattered too. Grief is all of our new normal. But Good Friday was two days ago. It is Easter Sunday. And although we may not feel it in this moment, there is resurrection, even if the rest of the world hasn't figured that out yet. They hadn't on that first Easter when the women stood outside the tomb, either. The two Marys went up to the tomb before dawn, and the very human experience of isolating grief, of dislocating heartbreak, but they came back from the tomb, set apart from all of humanity, entirely living in the upside-down world of the divine, and sent to call others out of grief, out of everything that was normal, and into the resurrection, into the emerging kingdom of God, and the knowledge that what had been a daily life, what had been completely normal, could never be again. Because normal life tells us that death cannot give way to life. Normal life tells us that defeat does not engender victory. Normal life tells us that when we have entered Jerusalem in triumph to cheering crowds, going back to Galilee is a failure. Normal life tells us that the reign of God will crush the oppressors rather than empowering the powerless. Normal life tells us that the joy and blessings and goodness we receive in this life, those are the mark of God's particular favor upon us, rather than the tools that we can use to help build the kingdom for all of creation. 
and we get to choose. We get to choose if we will be the people who worship that which is normal and usual and acceptable and comfortable. We get to choose if we will be the people who live in the resurrection. This year is unlike any other Easter. For this year, more than any we have known, is showing us the difference between what we had accepted as normal and the possibilities for life in abundance that God gives to us all. This year, more than any other that we have known, this year is showing us the ways that our old normal kept us living in Good Friday, kept us in the shadow and the power of the world's authorities, kept us in a world where money held sway, and the essentials of life were kept for those who looked to our eyes like the kind of people who should be able to afford them, where the color of your skin was the single biggest indicator of your ability to survive disease, and where we believed that salary level was an actual measure of how essential a job really was. This year, more than any other Easter, we are called to pull at the cracks, to tug at the fraying threads of the life that we had accepted as normal, and to see in those cracks and in those tears where it is that the kingdom of God is trying to get our attention, where it is waiting to break in upon us. This year, more than any other Easter, we are called to walk not into a world that has been shattered, but into a world that is crying out to be built anew, in ways that might to us feel foolish, that might feel like failure according to human standards, but that can give life eternal and abundant in ways that the world cannot, if we just live into a vision that the world still calls impossible. This year, more than any other Easter that any of us have ever experienced, we are called to embody the resurrection to lift up the powers of life even in the face of death, to stand secure in hope even in the face of despair, to live in the power of love even in the face of fear. Because the emergence of God in our world does not happen within our sense of what is right and what is normal. It happens when we leave Jerusalem and the seat of human power and authority to go out into the world of those kept out of power, and we go back to Galilee. It happens when we leave our human values and conceits about what is success and what is failure, what is worth and what is blessing, and live into the upside down of the divine among us, within us, and within all of creation, which even death is powerless to stop. This year, more than any other, more than any Easter we have ever known, we may have come into this space in grief and in heartbreak, in the isolation of a world gone completely off the rails. But we are invited to go back out from this space, maintaining a distance from each other, but to send our hearts back into the world in the certainty that death will not have the last word and that love will overcome fear. This year, we will not cry out from our grief until everyone knows that we are shattered. Rather, we who have seen the empty tomb, we who have been called by name, we will go out singing until everyone knows that a new normal is possible, that abundant life for all of God's creation is possible, that equity and justice for the least of these is possible. 
we will go out singing, shouting, praising, loving, for Christ is risen and we will all be made new. Christ is risen and the world will never be the same. And that is good news. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Amen.